you for the grace that you have showered upon each of us. Thank you for the saving grace. Thank you for allowing us to, to come to know you personally through Jesus. And Father, for those who have yet to receive you as Lord, I pray that today will be today. Today they will experience your love, your grace. Jesus, I pray that your spirit will be poured into this place nobody will come out of this place unchanged. We will be changed by your grace. We will be changed by your goodness. And we claim all of these in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. This is our third Sunday in our This, this Is Your House series. This is your house. And we have been learning the importance of moving in, settling down, and growing roots. And we have been studying the book of John. Well, not the book of John, but John chapter 15. That's become one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And what is the key word in John chapter 15? Those of you who have been coming for the last three weeks, remain. Remain is the key word. I firmly believe that Jesus doesn't want anyone to remain homeless. Jesus wants everyone to connect with him to find shelter in Him, to find home in Him. And I hope that over the last couple of weeks, for those of you who have um, been coming, I hope that the Lord's been revealing Himself to you in fresh ways, and that, and that you're learning more about what it means to be a part of His family, His body, His church. I pray that you're learning the importance of remaining in Jesus. Remain, remain, remain. The key word in the book of... Uh, Chapter John chapter 15. So the, the encouragement for us last week was this. Stop recruiting yourself and remain in Jesus. Bear fruit in his kingdom, in his household, and you will see that the Lord is good. He will show you that he is good and he will cause fruit to come out of your life. Today we will be talking about bearing fruit in the sermon titled, The House that God Blesses. You see, we have this very strong desire to become a fruitful church. And J.P. mentioned that we just turned 10 months old last, um, it was Friday. And um, I, I'm excited about what God has been doing and what God is about to do in our church for the next maybe 300 years, as long as Jesus doesn't return yet, you know. Um, I'm praying that, that He would cause us to bear fruit. And, and like I said, this is... This is the reason why we want to bear fruit. John 15, 8 says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. We give glory to God when we bear much fruit. And the, the next part of that is showing yourselves to be my disciples. I want to keep repeating that over and over, even in my head, that I should bear fruit because that shows that I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Fruitlessness is a huge problem. But fruitfulness is something that God desires for all of us, as followers. You see, there's another word for fruitfulness. And the word is blessed. Right? Blessed. A fruitful life is a blessed life. A blessed life is a fruitful life. And who among you wants a blessed life? Like, seriously. We all want a blessed life. And I firmly believe that God wants to give us fruitful lives. Because John chapter 10, verses 9 to 10 says this, and Jesus speaking here, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in 
and go out and find fat pasture. What it says here is security, you will find security in Jesus, you will find freedom, and you will find provision. And verse 9 is beautiful. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have what? life and have it to the full. See, there's another version that I love, which says that you may have life and have it more abundantly. What is the abundant life? What does it mean to have an abundant life? Many people think that abundance only has to do with having lots and lots and lots of money. The truth is, the abundant life of Jesus is promised here has little to do with collecting more stuff like houses and cars and clothes and jewelry. Instead, abundance has everything to do with being a child of God. That through faith in Jesus Christ, you have salvation. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you find security, no matter what your situation. And through faith in Jesus Christ and His riches and glory, He will provide for your needs. And also, the abundant life is joining God in calling people unto Himself. He wants you to join Him in calling people unto Himself. That's the abundant life. It's not waiting in gold coins. It's about being a child of your Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. It's not about acquiring a lot of properties. It's about contentment with what God provides for you. An abundant life is not about being healthy all the time. It's about knowing that even through tough times, God is able to help you stand. The abundant life is a deeper life, a fruitful life that leads others to Jesus. I really believe that that is the will of God for all of us, an abundant life. And I'm convinced of this, that, that He is calling you and I to a deeper and much fruitful life. Not a life of comfort, but a life of confidence. Let me repeat that. You might want to write that down. He's calling us not to a life of comfort, but to a life of confidence. I love the word confidence. Because the very root word in that word confidence is faith, feeding. You have faith in God. Like I said, He wants us to be fruitful. That only happens when we fully plant ourselves, when we remain in Him. Because that's what Jesus said, John 15, 5, right? If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Repeat after me. I can do nothing apart from Christ. So if you want to have an abundant life, a fruitful life, what do you do? You remain in Jesus. To find yourself in the middle of God's action, you must remain in Jesus. To remain in His house, to remain connected to His body, His church. And I found this awesome quote online recently, and I want all of us to read this together. Can we please? Let's do this. Read this together. When it's hard, I will remain. When it's painful, I will remain. When it's boring, I will remain. When it's unfair, I will remain. When it's lonely, I will remain. I will remain in Jesus. That covers it all. Remain in Jesus no matter what your situation is. We want to remain. We want to be a house that God will bless. We want to be a house that seeks first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I want us to be a church where every person lives a fruitful, faithful, abundant life. Amen. If we're going to be a fruitful house together, a house that blesses God, we need to know how to be 
faithful so that we will be fruitful. There is a fruitful church in the Bible that I want for us to study about this morning. And we find that in the book of Acts, chapter 11. So open your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 11. This house of God is blessed. I can't even uh, just imagine how blessed they are just by reading this little portion of scripture. It, it's called the church at Antioch. Church in Antioch. Now, if you're there, let's read this together. It's on the screen as well. Yes. Let's read this together. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw that what the grace of God, read that for me, what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first. Antioch. It was Antioch when the Christians, the followers of Jesus, were first called Christians, meaning little Christs. It was first given as an insult, but it got stuck. We loved it. And so that's what happened. In today's reading, we see an example of the house of God that is blessed. It was a church that experienced impressive growth from a tiny group of persecuted refugees and foreigners. The church in Antioch experienced growth. Large numbers of people came to Jesus. In large numbers of people who came, a lot of them were non-Jews. In fact, Luke points it out in, in chapter 11, verses 21, 24, 26, right? And we find that here, a great number, a great number and great numbers. But I'd like for you to see that they started with a handful of people who were persecuted. Here's, the, here's the, the secret to their growth. They did not grow because they had amazing leaders. They did not grow because their leaders went to seminary. They did not grow because they had great music. They did not grow because they were hit. They grew because verse 21 says, The hand of the Lord was with them. This was a church that was blessed by God. And the aim that we want to achieve here is as Mosaic Church, we want to emulate what happened in Antioch. We want the, the Lord's hand to be upon us. Not because we want just to be blessed, but we want to be fruitful. We want to, to lead others to Jesus Christ. The hand of the Lord is upon them. See, amongst Filipinos, which is a majority of you, th there is a custom called Manopo. Right? Manopo. Manopo. Mano is Spanish for those Spanish-speaking people. Mano means hand. 
So literally, manapot means hand, please. And this is what we do. We reach for an elder's hand and we, we touch the knuckles all the way to the, uh, to the forehead. We, this is a gesture of seeking an elder's blessing. And, and, and this is how I see the, the church in Antioch is experiencing their blessedness. They, they have reached for the hand of God and the Lord has blessed It's beautiful. And I know that's a very cultural illustration. But what I want you to see here in these verses that we just read is that I want for all of us, whether you're Canadian, you're Filipino, American, Latino, African, Chinese, Norwegian, whatever you are, we want to seek the Lord's hand. There's nothing wrong in asking God to bless your life if your goal is to glorify God with your life. There's nothing wrong with asking God, Lord bless me, because I want to glorify you. Let's learn a little bit about the background of the church in Antioch. First of all, Antioch was a very important city back then. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. Next to Rome, Alexandria, Antioch was the most, third most important city. It had economic success. It was a city that was a popular destination for foreign workers and refugees. Sounds familiar? The city was very prosperous. It was also a resort town because it's very close to the, to the Mediterranean Sea. But it was also a very religious city. But their concept of religion is a little whacked. You see, in the city of Antioch, maybe just five, five miles outside of the city, it's a beautiful city, isn't it? Um, there's, a, there's a temple called the Temple of Artemis and Paula. Their understanding of religion and worship is sleeping with prostitutes in the temple. It's a little whacked, isn't it? Where are you going? I'm going to worship. Really? That, that's, that was their concept of worship. But they were very religious. Like, who, who would want to be a part of that kind of religion, right? <laughs> but it's all whack. Now, it was kind of like a, a religiously sanctioned immorality. Despite their success and their prosperity as a city, they're a little whack. Meanwhile, while the city of Antioch was growing, 300 miles south of Antioch was a city called Jerusalem, which is the birthplace of the church. Christianity was growing in Jerusalem, and people were coming to faith in Jesus. But there was a man named Saul. Now, who are you going to call? Saul. This, this guy named Saul secured permission from the religious and political leaders of Jerusalem to wipe out the church. His aim was to wipe out every follower of Jesus Christ on the face of Jerusalem. That was his goal. And so he secured permission to do that. So he persecuted all the Christians and it was so severe that the militants captured one leader in the church. He was a deacon in the church. His name was Stephen. He was dragged into the streets. He was stoned to death. He, he was literally killed by just people throwing rocks at him. That's a terrible way to die, isn't it? He was our first martyr. And so because of fear, the believers of Jesus Christ, the disciples of Jesus Christ, scattered all over. They ran for their lives. 
which became a blessing. Because if that did not happen, they would have stayed in Jerusalem and not spread Christianity. Persecution led them to different places all over Asia Minor. And some of those persecuted Christians ended up in Antioch. And because they are Christians, they gathered together for worship. They gathered together for Lord's Supper and, and, and communion and prayer and fellowship. They did what they've always done in Jerusalem. But not only that, they took the gospel to where the Lord took them. They shared the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love of God, to the people they worked with, the people they worked for, the people who went to school with them, people everywhere. Everyone who would maybe gaze at them, they would say, hey, come to church with me. They were that passionate. And like we read, because of their passion for the Lord and for the gospel, they spread like wildfire. In fact, at the end of the, of the 100 uh, A.D., there's as much as 100,000 Christians in the little city of Antioch. That's how fast they spread. They were passionate. They did not dodge the hard matters of life or even resistance. They just shared the good news. This means that a number of former pagans gave up their idols, their sexual immorality, and their corrupt business practices when they put their trust in Jesus Christ. Many of the pagans and unbelievers turned to Jesus. And we find that in what we just read. The church grew in numbers. Verses 21, 24, 26. They grew in large numbers. Why? Because the hand of the Lord was upon them. The church in Antioch became one of the most important churches in history. Because the church grew phenomenally. Also, it was the first church where the majority of its members were former pagans. It was the first church to be overly multicultural. And thirdly, God prospered the church financially, that it became strong in financing the start of many churches all across Europe. Why are we talking about They became a church that experienced the hand of God, the favor of God, because they were faithful. And because of that, they were blessed. See, the church in Jerusalem heard about what was happening in Antioch, so they sent a man named Barnabas. His goal was to encourage the church. But what he saw surprised him. It even encouraged him. In fact, what we read, he was glad to see what he saw. And he just encouraged them. He said, just keep, he said, just keep doing what you're doing. He was blessed to see what was happening in the church in Antioch. Verse 23, when he arrived and saw what the grace of God hath done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Whoa. Did you get that? Did you catch that? There's a word there that Jesus repeated in John chapter 15. Remain true. That's the secret to a blessed life. Remain true. Say that with me. Remain true. The reason I want you to underline these now. I want you to underline these. The reason is I want you to see the connection between the grace of God and your faithfulness. 
but with resolve to bless others. Grace is faithfulness equals blessing. You cannot be blessed without the grace of God. Not be faithful without the grace of Put those two together. What do you get? Provides. Seek you for the blessed life. There's two important factors. The grace of God is kindness and favor, and our faithfulness remaining true. And here's what's very interesting in this story as well. The man named Saul, who you should be calling, he eventually became a Christian. <coughs> he met the Lord Jesus on the way to another persecution drive. And this Saul, this Saul, because of his conversion to Christianity, tried to hide from the people that he used to work with. He went to Tarsus. And when Barnabas heard about that, he went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And he found Saul. And what did Barnabas do? He brought Saul to Antioch. What's fascinating to me is this. The people of Antioch received and welcomed Saul. You should remember, Saul used to persecute them. He killed, he, 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 was, he led a mob that killed one of their deacons, and now he's a part of this church. Isn't that a beautiful picture of grace? I don't care about your past. As long as you have received Jesus Christ as Lord, you are my brother. You are my sister. I will not judge you for your past, but I will embrace the future that God has for you. I love that picture of grace. As a church in the 21st century, my prayer is that we would aim to be faithful believers. Because when we are faithful, God causes us to be fruitful. His hand will be upon us. Here at Mosaic, brothers and sisters, we do have a goal. We have a goal. We want to see a thousand people join us for the Easter worship experience. This auditorium seats 500 people. There's a lot of empty chairs. We want to fill this place with people who need Jesus. We want to be like people in the church of Antioch. We will invite anyone who comes across our path. Because we know that Jesus loves them. That will be our driving force. Not because we want to be a church that is the largest in Lloydminster. No, that's not our goal, our goal, our aim. Our aim is that Jesus will be known. There are a lot of people here in Lloydminster that need Jesus. And our prayer is that we would see those people come to know Him. That they would experience His love and power. That they would come and grow in their faith. That they would become fruitful disciples of Jesus. Like I said, we don't want to grow because of pride. See, a full auditorium, there was a pastor that I heard say, say this. He said the full auditorium <coughs> is pride. You know, we just want to fill an auditorium. <coughs> but an empty seat, an empty seat is a reminder that we are all dependent upon God to fill that seat through us. 
filled this place with people who need Jesus. Because we believe this. We believe that the gospel has the power to change lives. We believe that the power of God can heal broken hearts and set people free. We believe that with all of our hearts and that is why we want to reach out to this city. We believe that Jesus wants everyone to know that He loves them. Now to be a church that God blesses, to be a house that God blesses, we should learn from the church of Antioch. And if you want God to bless our house, you will have to seek the blessing of God, the hand of God upon your life. We will need to make individual decisions. You see, the decision to remain and to be obedient is personal. Unless all of us decide to be faithful, unless all of us decide to remain, See, our individual commitment will solidify our structure as Mosaic Church and will clarify our vision. And that's just how things work. And if you're here for the first time and you're wondering, what is this pastor talking about? What I'm talking about is you. I am talking about you. We want to reach out to you and we're glad that you're here. Because we know that Jesus is able to express and embrace you express his love to you and embrace you and change your life. That is why we exist. And this week we celebrate our 10th month. And I'm, I'm glad that the Lord has been faithful over the last 10 months. So here are 10 lessons that we find from the Christians in Antioch. Which I will turn into 10 decisions or 10 commitments. And I want each of us to commit to these things. And if you can write this down, write this down and, and commit to God before Him. Say, I want to do these things. First is this. I will be radically devoted to Jesus Christ. Just like the church in Antioch, the people there devoted themselves to Jesus. Regardless of the cost, regardless of the situation, they chose to be radically devoted to Jesus. I love the word radical because it, the very root of that word radical is radix, where we get the word radish, which means root. When you are fully rooted, devoted in Jesus Christ, you will cause you to be strong and Second is this. I will not, I will, I will not just be an attendee. Can you edit that for me? I will not just be an attendee. I will be a minister, worshiper, and an owner. What does that mean? I will choose to be involved. I will be a minister. Minister does not necessarily mean pastor. A minister is somebody who comes alongside someone else. Somebody who administers his, uh, the work of God. It's beautiful. But also, I want to be an owner. I want to be an owner. Somebody asked me a few weeks ago, how many members do you have? I said, Mosaic Church. I said, you know what? We don't have any members, really. He was like, what? Sacrilegious. I said, we don't have any members. If anything, we have owners. Because members have rights. Owners.
leaders have responsibilities. We want all of us to be owners. We want to own the vision. We want to own the calling. We want to own responsibilities. Because members, let's face it, members, they come maybe once or twice a year to church only during business meetings so that they would have a say in a decision. But that's not what we want. We want to be a church where everybody is involved, where everybody is an owner. An owner is engaged. You agree? Amen. I want all of us to be engaged. In fact, you know, maybe in the future we will have an owner's class. How, what does it mean to be an owner here at Mosaic Church? We'll probably embrace that. We'll probably do that. Number three, I will believe and share the gospel of Jesus Christ without shame. Make inviting people and sharing your faith a part of your lifestyle. That is a very important factor and lesson that we find in, in the lives of the people in Antioch. They were just shameless in reaching out to people and preaching the gospel. Even though Christianity at that point was still illegal, they kept doing it. No fear, no shame. We will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is my prayer for all of us here at Mosaic. We will not be ashamed because it is the power of God into salvation to everyone who believes. Four. This is a commitment that I want you to make. I will allow God's grace, not rules, to govern my thinking and relationships. That means you let the grace of God be the strongest force in your life. The grace of God will dictate how you parent your child, how you deal with your coworkers, how you deal with your spouse, how you deal with everybody. It is by grace and with grace that God deals with us. If it is not with grace that He deals with us, we would all be gone. The Bible tells us that if it were not for the mercies of God, we would all be consumed, meaning dead. Because of God's grace, He wants you to remain alive and enjoy His provisions and His blessings. Do not allow rules or legalism to rule your thinking. Let the grace of God govern you. Not your past, not even rules, the grace of God. Number five, I will embrace people from all cultures with God's love. Every ethnic group and every individual matters to God, right? And therefore, we will embrace all cultures with God's love. No culture is subordinate to another. But here's what we believe. All cultures can be redeemed by the grace of God. Number six. I will honor and obey the servant leaders established by God in this house. That is biblical. We will embrace a culture of honor and obedience, starting with our leadership. I have to honor you. And it's, this culture of honor will spread. Here's the thing. Even in your family, if you're a father, if you honor your wife, and if you honor your children, they in turn will honor you. 
Do you agree? That's a universal principle. And that's what we want to embrace here at the Church. We want to embrace a culture of honor. Not a culture of division. A culture of honor and submission. Number seven. I will see people the way God sees them and not judge them based on their past. And I briefly talked about this a while ago. We want to look at people through God's lenses. We want to claim their future in God and forget their past. But embrace their future. Number eight. I will commit to raise godly leaders by discipling them. See, fruitfulness is this. To make disciples. We want to reproduce disciples. We want to make it our desire to invest, invest our lives and our gifts to help others to grow in their love for Jesus. Number nine. We're getting close to the end of this message. I will be devoted to generosity. A lot of people struggle in this area, especially at this point. This season in our lives is as a city, <coughs> we are hit by an economic stagnation, a recession. My prayer is this, that Mosaic will develop an attitude of generosity because we follow a generous God. You will find in scripture many examples of churches. Even, even if you read through <coughs> chapter 11, you read through the, uh, the rest of the story of, of Antioch, read it for you. It's beautiful. Verse 27 of chapter 11 says this. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. There was a preacher who prophesied that there was going to be a famine. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The writer of this book had to include that to, to tell us that this is an actual thing that happened. Verse 29, the disciples, each according to his ability, decided to help, to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. The disciples here, meaning the followers of Jesus, meaning the members of the church, during a time of famine, the church in Antioch pooled their resources together and helped the people of Judea. We want to be that kind of a church. I was browsing through the internet, checking some, some of the churches that, are, that have been established in our association. And there's this church, a very young church, just like us, but, but unlike us, they're still very small. They're still unable to afford a lot of the things that they need. And this pastor posted something on FundMe. And it says, we want to be computer-driven and graphics-driven. We just want to be able to make videos. And, and he said, we're a young church. We can't even afford to buy a MacBook Pro, which is $1,400. See, there are churches in this world need. And God willing, if the Lord will cause us to, to experience His hand of blessing, we want to be coming alongside churches like that. Helping them to reach their potential. 
want to do that. We want to be devoted to generosity because we serve a generous God. Number 10, I will pursue the vision God has given for my church or to my church for His glory. I invest in and I will invite everyone God brings along in my life. I want to be sure to invite them to our worship experiences or our D group. I will pursue God's vision for my church. That is my prayer for all of us. And I pray that if you have written that down, that will be your commitment too. You will commit your life to the fulfillment of the vision of this church. Again, not because we want to be the largest church. Because we believe that the gospel can change lives. That Jesus loves the world. And how else can they know apart from us? Seriously. That's our goal. That's our desire. And this Sunday, this morning, I'd like for us to launch into the deep, so to speak. Am I darker now? I want us to launch into the deep. What do I mean? Over the last three weeks, I have had this, a lot of people ask me this question. Their question is, Pastor, what does it mean really to bear fruit? How can I be a fruitful disciple? I was praying about that. I said, Lord, help me and help us as a church to, to encourage one another to be fruitful. And this is how we want to be fruitful. We will call this the three movement. And we borrowed this concept from a church in, in somewhere, somewhere else. They've been, they've been uh, blessing us with a lot of information, a lot of of things, and I asked for their permission if we could launch this into our church as well, or in our church, because they're launching this three movement at their church this morning as well. The three movement involves three things. Here it is. First, think of and pray for three individuals, friends, family members, co-workers, classmates, in Lloyd Minster, all right? I want you now to think of three people in your life who are close to you, or maybe somebody who works with you, somebody that you probably don't like, think of them now, think of their names, three people, in Lloyd Minster, and start praying for them. Lord, I want them to know you. I want them to know you. Because I believe that Jesus loves them, and I might as well love them as well, and now I'm exercising my love for them by praying for them. So that they might come to know who you are. Three people in Lloyd Minster. Don't pray for somebody in China or the Philippines. Pray for somebody here. Somebody you could claim for Jesus. And believe God want, wants them to discover His love. And here's number two. Invite them. In the next three weeks. I said three movement, right? In the next three weeks. Text them. Call them. Facebook them, Snapchat them, bug them. Invite them to church and tell them, I'm giving you three weeks, I'll invite you, I'll bring you to church on March 1. March 1, we will begin our new series called Dominate. The first part of that series, March 1, we will be preaching the gospel. We will be sharing the love of Jesus. We will be inviting people to give their lives to Christ. And so if you bring your unchurched friends on March 1, the people that you have prayed for, we will make
make sure that they get to hear the gospel. We will not be ashamed. We will let them know that Jesus loves them. That's three weeks from now. And of course, number three, you have to bring them on March 1. Bring them, not just continually inviting them. Bring them. There's a difference between inviting and bringing. Maybe knock on their door and say, hey, I'm here to go to, to take you to church. Maybe invite them to, to lunch after church. And during the conversation, tell them, hey, how did you like the church service? Would you like to come with me again? And I'm pretty sure they'd say, sure. And just keep following up. Keep following up. Why am I doing this? Why are we doing this? Because we want to bear fruit. We want to bear fruit. And if you want to bear fruit, it has to be intentional. You have to intentionally think of these people and love them. Love them. Love them with all of your heart. Why are we doing this? First, because we believe that God loves them. And He wants them to be part of His household. We believe God is glorified when people come to know Jesus. Do you want God to be glorified in your life? Do you want the hand of God to be upon you? Then be faithful in what He is calling you to do. I don't want anybody here at Mosaic Church to be just pew warmers or chair warmers. I'm sure you have friends. But begin praying for them. You have three weeks to pray for them. Second reason why I want to do this is because we have a vision as a church to see large numbers of people to come to Jesus. We want more. I love that word more. We want more people to come to Jesus. Like I said, not because we want to be a big church, but because we know that the desire of God is to call the world unto Himself. That's the reason why you came to know Jesus. Because He wanted you to know He loves you. Third, because we want to bear fruit intentionally. We want to fulfill God's will in our lives. What is God's will for you? To be fruitful. Why? Because when you are fruitful, you tell the world that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciple. Next week, we will be giving away little sheets of paper. And we will be writing down the names of the people that we are praying for. We will collect all those papers and we will, as a team, as a church, as a leadership team, and even our prayer teams, we will pray together with you. That the Lord will move in the lives of the people represented.
Here's what it means. To connect to Jesus is to receive Him in your life as your Lord and Savior. How do you do that? You just pray a simple prayer of faith. You just say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. But I know you can. Based on the work that you have done, by dying on the cross and by rising from the grave, I am able to receive salvation. Jesus, I want that. So come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. That's all it takes. When you pray that prayer by faith, sincerely, you enter a relationship with Jesus. And I pray you would do that. I hope you would do that today. Don't leave this place without ever doing that. And if you make a decision, make sure that you let us know so that we can come alongside you and follow up with you. What, what, is, what next steps are you supposed to be taking? Let us know by, by filling out the connection card which was given to you on your way in. Let us know there's a box there that says, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Write down your name, maybe put an email address, and make sure that you check that box if you receive Jesus. Amen?